I am honored and uh, very excited to preach tonight. Um, I've been reading over this chapter quite a few times, um, and I feel like I'm more preaching to myself up here um, than anything else. Um, So before we start, um, I know we just prayed, but um, please join me in a quick prayer, and then we'll dive right in. Heavenly Father, you are a good, compassionate God. You deal with us not as we deserve, but out of mercy and grace. We praise you for that. I pray that tonight you would open our eyes and open our ears to your word, that you would speak to us tonight through the proclamation of your word, Lord. Your word is precious to us, and we thank you for it. Lord, we love you. It's your son's name that we pray. Amen. So go ahead and turn your Bible to Jonah chapter 4. Jonah chapter it's been a couple weeks since we've been in the book of Jonah. Um, as I said, I'm very excited to dive into this last chapter. I went back and listened to all the messages um, that we have, uh, we have heard um, the last few weeks and was reminded that we have, uh, we have some really good preachers here at First Baptist Church of Fairdale. I'm very blessed. He's telling Holly, we're very blessed to be here um, be at this church family with so many people who are able to preach. Um, A little recap. We have been in Jonah for three weeks, a chapter, a sermon. Uh, We have seen in Jonah, we have seen Jonah in chapter one, as Jake preached a few weeks ago, be called to go and preach to Nineveh. Him refusing that call and being swallowed up by a big well. Chapter two, we see the prayer of Jonah calling for mercy and the fish vomiting out Jonah. Finally, in chapter 3, two weeks ago, we see that the preaching or really the proclamation of the judgment of God coming in 40 days. And then as Garth stated, the biggest miracle in the book, a whole city repenting and turning from their evil ways. And we see the mercy of God being extended to them because of that, not bringing down the promised judgment at the end of chapter 3. If this was a a movie or some sort of a short book, that is probably where it would have ended. We have the uh, Jonah learning his lesson, the people repenting, and we have a cool big fish right in the middle, the big action set. Um, But as we have learned throughout these sermons, the text isn't primarily focused on the message as it is the messenger and what we can learn from Jonah and his actions. So there's three things that I want you to keep in the back of your head as I'm walking through this. First, Jonah's selfishness. We're going to see a lot about that. Jonah's selfishness. Second, God's compassion. And and finally, God's sovereign right to be bestow grace on whomever he wills. So his right 
to give grace to anyone he wants to. Let us read Jonah chapter 4, and then we'll jump in. Jonah chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out to the city and sat at the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his, his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry. Angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. So we jump right in to verse 1 seeing Jonah's selfishness, and we see Jonah being displeased. And we ask ourselves, why is he displeased? Why is he angry? Well, if we remember back, he is angry because of what happened in chapter 3, verse 10. Look back really quick to chapter 3, verse 10. When God saw what they did how they turned, Nineveh turned from their evil ways, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. So just like verse 1 of chapter 4 states, it displeased him. It being that these people turned from their evil ways, and because of that, God extended mercy to them and relented of the disaster that was promised to them. It was this reason that Jonah was displeased. Not only displeased, but the verse makes it abundantly clear. He was exceedingly displeased. He was angry. Jonah was angry because of God extending mercy to the, to the Ninevites. There are not many stories within the Bible that I can think of. I don't really know any, uh, uh, any um, that we see a prophet of God, a mouthpiece of God, preaching what God has told him to. It 
working, it being successful, and the prophet being angry because of it. That's just not something we see very often. It's not something that we hear of in our own time, right? So this is an, an unusual, unusual case that we have with Jonah. Just written out like this, removed from the situation, removed from this sermon, removed from the last few sermons, it's hard to wrap your head around why Jonah would be mad about this. It's hard at times to have empathy with Jonah. But Jonah was angry because God granted mercy to the people of Nineveh, the Assyrians, who were enemies of Judah and Israel, and this is not what Jonah wanted. Which leads us to his prayer in verse 2. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from Disaster. Here in verse 2, we see much more of his selfishness displayed. He is praying to God, saying that he knew that this would happen. How did Jonah know that this would happen? Well, according to him, he knew this would happen because he knows the character of God. We have a great description of who God is within this prayer. I know that you are a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in love, relenting from disaster. I mean, this is almost a mirror image verse, description of who God is found in Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7. When God passed before Moses and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness keeping love for thousands and forgiving inequity, transgression, and sin. If anyone ever asked you to describe the God you serve, this wouldn't be a bad description to give them. And Jonah gives a great description of who God is. However, for Jonah, this was a negative for him. He knew this is the way that he would act because he knows God. And because of that, it did not match up with what Jonah wanted. That's why he ran. That's why he ran away. He wanted the destruction of Nineveh. And God wanted them to turn from their evil ways. It was this reason that he ran away from the mission that God gave him. Jonah explains it wasn't because he was afraid of the people of Nineveh. It wasn't because he had something better to do. It wasn't because the journey was difficult. He ran because he knew the character of God. He knew that if they did what they did in chapter 3, repent from their evil ways, God would have mercy on them. And that's not what Jonah wanted. Jonah is concerned about himself right now. What he wanted, not what God wanted. Think back for a moment when Jonah called on the mercy of God and received it in chapter 2. Chapter 2, Jonah is in the belly of a fish. He calls out to God. And what does God do? 
He has mercy on him. He causes the fish to spit him up. And think back for a moment. What if God treated Jonah the way Jonah wanted God to treat the people of Nineveh? It certainly would have been a shorter book. And it probably wouldn't have been named Jonah. (laughs) Jonah didn't deserve the mercy that was given to him. He disobeyed God, just like the people of Nineveh were actively disobeying God. Jonah did that. Jonah deserved destruction. But God was merciful to him. And it's at this moment we think back and we, and we say, did Jonah forget about the mercy that God gave him? He is so distracted by his prejudice, his hate for the people of Nineveh, that the only thing he wants is for Nineveh to be destroyed. And we see another outburst in verse 3. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. So because you have mercy on the people of Nineveh, because you will not destroy them, it is better for me to die than to see them not be destroyed. Jonah is only thinking of himself right now. He cares nothing for the people of Nineveh. He doesn't care about what God wants right now. The only thing he wants is for Nineveh to be destroyed. All the people to be killed. And as we move forward, we'll see more of Jonah's selfishness, but we, in verse 5, or verse 4, we begin to see the compassion of God. We see God's compassion. Verse 4, And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Essentially asking Jonah, Do you have any right to be angry right now? Why are you angry about this situation? Um, I don't know about you, but if the text diverted here, and, and God said something like, okay, you want to die? I can make that happen. I've been compassionate. I've been merciful. I've been slow to anger. You have continually disobeyed me. And now you act like this. We wouldn't have been surprised if God granted Jonah's wish here. But he gently rebukes Jonah. He asks him, is there any reason for you to be angry? But what was Jonah's response? It wasn't what it should have been. It wasn't, of course, God, I was wrong. You have, you you granted mercy to me. That's not what he did. Jonah goes out in verse 5 and he makes a booth or a makeshift shelter outside the city, so he's no longer in the city, he's a safe distance away from the city. Why does he do this? He does this because he wants to see if the city will be destroyed. Look at verse 5. Jonah went out from the city, he sat at the east of the city, made a booth for himself there, he sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city.
He already knows what's going to happen to the city of Nineveh. It's not going to be destroyed. He's convinced of that. We see that in verse 1 because of verse 10 in chapter 3. It's not going to be destroyed. But it's like Jonah is still holding out hope that God will not be merciful and he'll extend his wrath instead of his mercy. And we see something very interesting going on in verses 6 through 8. Verse 6. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might, make, might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. God appoints a plant just as God appointed a fish to swallow Jonah. He appointed a, a plant to grow and give relief to his discomfort. This is not something Jonah deserved, not something that Jonah even needed. But we still, even in Jonah's active disobedience, God is compassionate towards Jonah, showing him kindness. And how does Jonah react to this compassion? Well, we see he was exceedingly happy because of the plan. See the wording here in verse 6? It's the same as in verse 1. Look back at verse 1. It displeased Jonah exceedingly. Now see in verse 6. This made him happy exceedingly. Jonah... Literally the only time we see him happy in the book of Jonah is happy because of the physical relief that the plant is giving him. Listen to a commentator, a pastor stated about this verse. We could say that Jonah's happiness was just as fleshly as his anger. Both were about himself. Jonah was only concerned about himself, only concerned about his relief, only concerned about what was happening to him. We then see God teach something to Jonah in verses 7 and 8. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. So God destroys the plant that he made and makes Jonah uncomfortable. Just as he appointed all these other things to happen, God is moving the story along. God is making a point about this. He kills the plant. And he makes the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he's uncomfortable. And Jonah's response is what? He states that he would rather die at this moment than to be uncomfortable, to feel faint. Because the plant is gone, no longer giving him shade. And then we see God's compassion. When we put it in this light... God's compassion is exceedingly impressive. Verse 9. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well 
to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry. Angry enough to die. The, I'm using the ESV, English, English Standard Version. Uh, I, I believe the NASB puts it a little bit easier to understand when it states it like this in verse 9. Do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry, angry to death. Jonah, being the overdramatic person that we've come uh, accustomed to, places his happiness, not only his happiness, but his very life in the fact that he is either comfortable or uncomfortable at that very moment. This is his response to being uncomfortable because the plant's no longer there. He is distraught, and he would rather die at that moment than go on living. Then we see the application and my last point. God's right to give grace and mercy on whomever he wills. We see God make this application because the question comes up, why did God make this plant? Why is God still dealing with Jonah if Jonah is acting like this? Well, verses 10 and 11. The Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. So according to the Lord, Jonah had pity for the plant, even though he did not make it grow. He did not labor to have it come up. It was there one day, and it was gone the next day. Yet he cared so much for the plant that he would rather die than to go on living without the plant giving him comfort. But he didn't have that same attitude towards Nineveh. And that's God's point. According to the Lord, Jonah had pity for the plant. And God is telling Jonah, you care so much about plants as opposed to people. You're happy when a plant grows out of nowhere, but not when a city repents of their evil ways and turn themselves towards God? He didn't want God to have pity or mercy on them, even though they were made in the image of God. He didn't like them. They were different from Jonah. They were from a different culture. They were from a different nation. They were enemies of Israel. That's why Jonah didn't want compassion and mercy to be extended to Nineveh. And then God in verse 11 speaks about the city of Nineveh, the people that are there. They don't know what is right and wrong. There's a a lot of them, over 120,000 people. There's livestock and cattle. But Jonah is not worried about these people at all. What he is worried about is himself. The fact that he doesn't like them. The fact that he wants comfort. The fact that he wants mercy only applied to him. But not applied to anyone else. We all need to understand this point right here. 
The point is that Jonah, Nineveh, Israel, none of them deserved the mercy they received from God. Each and every one of them deserved God's wrath. They deserved God's judgment on them because of their disobedience. And the mercy that God showed Jonah should have humbled him because he should have known that he didn't deserve it. He should have saw Nineveh and say, I didn't deserve this mercy. You don't deserve this mercy. But God is extending it to you today. Jonah's continual disobedience towards God, the fact that he would not change his attitude even when God kept showing him mercy because of his prejudice and because of his hate towards the people of Nineveh. And God ends it there. That's the last verse in verse 11. So what are some things that we can take away from the text? Um, We see a man in the beginning of the book disobey God. Then he continues to disobey God in his attitude um, at the end of the book. Well, first, we need to celebrate and not be angry when someone different than us receives mercy. No man or woman has the right to question or resent the outpouring of God's love in saving man, any man, from sin and destruction. We should know that because we know that we don't deserve His mercy. Look to me, look uh, to Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. We see ultimately where all of this is going. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. This is a picture of heaven, of people from every tribe and nation, the diversity of people worshiping Christ on the throne. This is where all of this is heading. So we should rejoice and celebrate, not be angry because someone not from here, not from where we know or where we're comfortable with is saved. Because that's a picture of what heaven will be like one day. So we should rejoice. Second, we need to examine where our priorities lay. Is it to see all people from every nation come to know God? Are we more focused on ourselves? Throughout chapter 4, Jonah is continuing to think about himself. And we should put 
our minds on that and ask, us, ask ourselves, are we thinking about ourselves more than we are thinking about other people? It might not be so obvious as Jonah was outwardly grieving because of a plant dying, but we all have our own plants that we care more about than our neighbor. Whether that be a, a sports game that we get more excited or more invested in than our neighbor who's lost, or it's not sharing the gospel at work because we're afraid we may not have as many friends and be labeled as that Christian who shares too much. The story of Jonah teaches us that we need to place God above ourselves, above our comfort, above what we want. We need to have the priorities of Christ above ourselves. And and finally, when we talk about this, we need to answer a a question. How do we do this? Well, the Scripture tells us that we must have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. You don't have to turn there. Just listen. It states this. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct Him? But we, speaking of believers, we have the mind of Christ. Paul contrasting a spiritual person to the natural person, someone who has not received mercy of God, And he makes this amazing statement. How do we understand the mind of God? How do we communicate with Him? How do we understand what He's trying to tell us? And his answer is this. We have the mind of Christ. Therefore, we share in His plan, His purpose, and we should share in His perspective. And what is Christ's perspective? We see in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, He saw a multitude of crowds... And he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That was Christ's perspective. And ultimately, his perspective was that he gave up all of his comforts in heaven and taken the form of a man, lived a perfect life, and died on the cross for sinners. And that's Jesus' perspective. So we should have the same perspective as him. We should have compassion on those who do not know his, his, his gospel. We should have the mind of Christ and proclaim the good news to all people. And finally, we must never forget that just like Jonah, just like Nineveh, just like Israel, we too were once under the judgment of God. But in God's compassion, in His mercy, He chose to have mercy on us. And this should motivate us to have compassion on others who do not have that mercy because we didn't deserve the mercy that we received from God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your mercy that you have graciously given to us things that we don't deserve. We thank you for your word, that it's good and it's 
able to accomplish your will. We thank you for your patience with us when we fail you. And Lord, we love you. It's your son's name we pray. Amen.